I'm so proud of you. I'm proud of what you're doing around the globe. It's making an impact. The, ser- the, the sermon I want to share with you this morning might be one of the most important that you've heard because we're going to talk about how to get into God's rhythm, how to begin to understand what he's doing. And if there's some areas of your life that seem like they're stuck, well, you can push through some of those things as we get into what I'm talking about today. Pull out your sermon notes because I want you to follow along with me. Elton John uh, wrote the little song Circle of Life for the animated Lion King, you know, and he's talking about this infinite circle of life. There are some infinite circles built into God's universe. And when we get hold of them, there is an amazing amount of power because God built them into his universe. And as we begin to see that, we, we can see it in the natural world. In elementary school, you, you learned about water. Water has this infinite cycle. What's interesting about the rain that falls today is that it might have fallen. It probably did fall yesterday, year before sometimes 10,000 years before it fell, all right? There's this infinite cycle. Water, um, it's it's in the ground, and then it evaporates. There's evaporation, condensation up in the sky. That's where you see the clouds as the water vapor has condensed. And then there's precipitation where it gets so heavy that gravity pulls it back down again, and then uh, it begins to gather again and, and starts that whole process over forests, they tell us, ha- have this um, huge cycle. A- and they always, it seems like, start and end with a tragedy. That's what, what scientists really call it. They call it a, a disturbance. But that's a fire or a flood or something of that nature. And that ends the forest, but it also begins the forest. It's this circle because this new growth begins to come and that cycle begins anew. Well, the Bible also points out some continuous circles that God built into our universe that maybe science might not so easily see, but I want you to see them as we latch onto them. We get in step with what God's doing as he's already the way he's built the universe to work. And we begin to see this amazing power come through in our lives. So write some of these down. The first circle is the circle of love. Love. It's an infinite circle. In fact, listen to what the Bible says in 1 John chapter 4. It says this, we love because he has first loved us. If someone claims I love God but hates his brother or sister, he is a liar. Anyone who does not love a brother or sister whom he has seen cannot possibly love God whom he has never seen. He gave us a clear command that all who love God must also love their brothers and sisters. Now this kind of love is more than just emotion. There are several words for love in the Greek of the New Testament. As we've translated it into English, we only have one word for love. So we say love. You know, I love uh, cucumbers. I love uh, pineapples. I love apples. I love my wife. I love my dog. You know, all the same love because we only have one word. They had different words. This word is the word agape. Maybe you've heard that word agape. 
Agape is a God love. It's an unconditional love. It's not the kind of love that you feel for a girlfriend or, or for uh, someone in your family or your child. It's a love that almost shouldn't be there if you didn't know God. It's a love for the unlovely. It's a love for the ones that are outside of, you know, the traditional things of, of, of how you love. It's the, the love for the people that nobody else cares about. And that's what you see in the life of a believer. That's our testimony. That's our story. In the very first church in the New Testament, that was what they said. Look how they love people and they love the outcasts and they love the, the ones that nobody cared about. They would go to the lepers and, and, and make a difference with them. In the Middle Ages, in the bubonic plague and all the things that were going through as people would begin to scatter and try to get away when the plague would come in and infest. It was the Christians that went and cared about those that were sick and many times contacted the, the plague themselves, but they got a name for, for, for being the ones that wouldn't go, that wouldn't leave, that would stay and care. Seven times in 1 John, he says, if someone claims. He's talking about how easy it is to claim the name Christian. And I get concerned in America today that our American Christianity has made it an easy thing to do. It's more of an inward thing for us. We, we, we say, I feel spiritual. I feel this or that, you know, inside. But John says the command is clear. You're gonna know if you're a believer is if you love the least of these. You love the ones that others don't care about. Last night, or two nights ago, I watched on Friday night as many of you, community of faith, reached out to Roberts Road Elementary, our neighboring school that has so many uh, under-resourced little kids. And, and we did this big carnival for them. There was the big snowbank slide sled and all of that. And you know, so many of them had come from places where they had never seen snow ever in their life. And they were just stunned and, and, and you know, snow. And you were there and you loved on them and you cared about them and you could see a God love coming through. And what was so exciting to me is I also saw our girls from Hope Rising that had been rescued out of sex trafficking themselves. They were there making a difference in the lives of these little kids. And, and the boys that had been rescued that are at Miracle Farm, they were teaching the little kids how to lasso. It was amazing the skill that they had. I don't know how anybody does that, but it, it was crazy to watch. It's not this inward thing alone. It is more than that. It begins to, when God fills you with love, that circle is he loves you. You receive that love and then you can't help it. It overflows you and then it flows out to a world around us that's hurting and in need. And that's what he always intended for it to be. I went to Burundi with a couple and uh, they were just part of our group. We were there as a group several years ago and, and um, they saw the hunger of the little ones and they heard uh, our staff member who's there with us um, as part of our staff that stays in Burundi, Claude, he talked about 
his dream of a porridge factory that would make fortified porridge and feed these little ones, not only in Burundi, but also deep into the Congo, Rwanda, all around that area of Africa. And they came to me at the end of the trip and they said, we've been saving for many years for a vacation home, but we have prayed about it and, and, and we're so excited. God has put on our heart to give all of that money to make a porridge factory. And that's how the porridge factory began. And the joy in their eyes and in their heart as they said that, we wanna give away all of this money and, and they're excited about it. Only a believer could be that excited, I think, you know? We just gave up our vacation home, woo! You know, and, but you look, that's real Christianity. That, that's what it looks like. And they're not wealthy, but they gave this huge significant amount and got it started and, and, and the rest of us joined in with that and we've made a part and we're seeing these little kids fed by the thousands now. It's incredible to see what God is doing as even the, the UN and UNICEF and a bunch of other organizations are interested now in partnering with our porridge factory to get it out further than we even thought possible. But it's amazing what God has done. This infinite circle. He loves us and we love them. And when he said, remember he said, when you've done it to the least of these, you've done it to me. So by loving them, we love him again. Comes full circle. He loves us. Keeps going out. Never stops. This infinite circle of love. Another circle is prayer. Prayer. Did you know that prayer is an infinite circle? Listen to what 1 John says about this. It says, this is the boldness we have in God's presence. That if we ask God for anything that agrees with what he wants, he hears us. And if we know he hears us every time we ask him, we know we have what we ask from him. Do you see answers to your prayers all the time? Or, or is that just super rare or never? If it's rare or never, it's because you haven't gotten in on this infinite circle. Laura helped me understand this circle a few years back when, when she said God had given her a verse and helped her to understand what it meant. It's in Psalm 37, four, it says this, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Now, what a lot of American Christianity has interpreted that, okay, as I come to church and I'm really, you know, I'm gonna be there every week, God, then you kind of owe me. And you've gotta give me what I ask for, what I desire. That's not what it's saying. What she said God really showed her was, as you truly let God be your delight, and you begin to walk with him day by day, and you begin to love Jesus and allow him to, to just fill you up, and you delight in that, he puts his desires deep down inside of you, and they begin to bubble up. And as they bubble up, you have his desires, and so you pray him, God, what I, I would love to see happen, and it's what he's put in your heart. So it agrees with his will, and he does it every time. She was applying that to us uh, in our 30s, our, our early 30s, we just had felt for so many years, God wanted us to go to the mission field and then he put Mexico City on our heart and so we were praying like crazy, God, open the door for us to go to Mexico City. Now who prays that, right? That's gotta be a God dream. 
open the door so we can go to one of the most polluted cities in the world. We're breathing the airs like smoking 13 cigarettes. You know, if you get stressed out, you just go outside with a straw, you know, but it, 25 million people, Texas, Arkansas, Louisiana, stuffed into the geographic size of Houston, you know, and, and you begin to think about that. That's gotta be a God dream. That's gotta be a God dream. A couple came to me not long ago and they said, we are praying, God, please open the door for us to go to North Vietnam. Well, that's a God dream, you know? It, it, it's like we wanna go and we wanna make a difference there. And, we want, and, and you look at that, you, you see that. It's so different than what we pray so much of the time. I read about a girl praying on her wedding day. She prayed this, dear father, Please bless our marriage. I love Larry. I want to be his wife, so please be with us. I know that Larry still isn't a Christian, but oh, Father, I love him so much. What else can I do? I just can't give him up. Oh, save him, please, some way, somehow. You know how much I've prayed for him and the way we've discussed you. I've tried not to appear too religious because I didn't want to scare him off. He's not antagonistic. God, I can't understand why he hasn't responded. Oh, if he were only a Christian. Oh, God, please bless this wedding day. Now that sounds sincere, earnest, and I'm sure it came from an earnest heart, but if you really break it down and pull out the pious language, what she's saying is really something like this. Dear Father, I don't want to disobey you, but I must have my own way at all costs. For I love what you do not love, and I want what you do not want. So please be a good God and deny yourself and move off your throne. Let me take over. If you don't like this, please bite your lip and say nothing that will spoil my plans or my wedding day. You say, well, Mark, that's kind of rough. But you see, so much of God's will has already been revealed in his word. He says, don't be yoked together with un." believers. Now that doesn't mean that if you are married and, and, and you become a, a believer and you don't have a husband or wife that's not a believer that you just say, oh, forget you. It, it's not talking about that. It's talking about believers that are already believers saying, you know, I know this is out from under the umbrella of who you want me to marry, but I want to do it anyway. And you see, God's not going to necessarily answer that prayer the way she's thinking. So it's important that we delight ourselves in the Lord, delight ourselves in his principles and begin to walk in that. And then he begins to put these dreams deep down inside of us. Another infinite circle, and this is one that trips up many believers. It's the circle of judgment and forgiveness. Judgment and forgiveness. Listen, this is Jesus talking. When Jesus talks, I listen. He says this, do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Given it will be given to you a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over will be poured into your lap for with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. He's saying these things, he's not talking about money here when he says give, he's talking about forgiveness. He says when you give it out, when you give out mercy, it's gonna come back. 
I had an experience a few years ago at a Tivana place. Have you ever been to one of those little Tivana places in the mall? Uh, you know, and, and it's crazy. It's got this really specialized tea that's slightly more expensive per ounce than illegal street drugs, you know? <laughs> and, and, and you go in there and you see people and like guys going like, uh, I'd like a dime bag of the peach passion and uh, give, give, <laughs> give me a little bump of the, of the Maharaja Oolong, you know? And, and, and they usually, I mean, they're so stingy with the tea, but I went there this one time and this guy, I, I think they were going out of business, you know, and they, they did go out of business. In fact, I don't think they're anywhere now, but like California and Colorado, but um, they, they, uh, they uh, you know, he, I went in and he's just like pouring it and he just, it's flowing over. He's like getting bags and putting it in, stuffing it down. I mean, I love this guy. He's so generous with his boss's tea, you know. This is what God's talking about. It's like he's pressing it down. It's flowing over. He said, this is how it's going to come back to you. If you judge, you're going to get judged overflowingly. If you won't forgive, you're not going to be forgiven. It's one of the laws written into God's universe. In fact, even God obeys his law. When Jesus was giving the model prayer, our father who art in heaven. And he goes on and on down and he goes, forgive us as we forgive. And at the end he says, if you don't forgive, your heavenly father won't forgive you, your sins. Now I think it's really like God's limiting himself because he obeys his own laws that he put in the universe. He says, I can't forgive you because you have unforgiveness. Are you holding a grudge? against anyone today, it's not worth it because even God is not forgiving your sins. You've got to let that go. Well, Mark, if you knew what they did to me, I, I'm not invalidating that. Some of you have been treated horribly. Some of you have been abused in a desperately awful way. But still, you've got to lay it at God's feet. Let him take care. He said, vengeance is mine. I will repay. This is the time to let it go because otherwise you're in this infinite circle but on the wrong side. See, I want you to forgive like crazy so that forgiveness comes back to you like crazy. If you fall on your face, you're not going to get judgment from me. You're going to get mercy from me. And I'm going to pick you up and dust you off and say, come on, you can do this. And then when I fall, you're going to do the same for me. Have you ever seen these judgy pastors you know, they're always like fire and brimstone, judging everybody. When they fall, what happens? They get eaten alive, don't they? Because they've attracted a bunch of judges. Everybody's going, yeah, that's right, that's right. And then they fall and go, oh, we're going to get you now, you know? And it's like, no, don't be that. Don't do that. Unforgiveness comes back in an infinite circle, but forgiveness comes back. Mercy comes back. Let's give out mercy like crazy. Now, as your pastor, I'm always going to call out truth. But truth and mercy, they can go together. That, that goes together in a loving way. Then I want you to see one last circle. Are you ready? Write this down. The infinite circle of Christmas. And that is giving. Giving. What is Christmas all about? Santa Claus, the reindeer, no, it's all about God giving us his greatest 
gift. Listen to John 3, 16. Maybe you know this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. The world there in the original language, the Greek of the New Testament, is the ungodly multitude, the whole mass of men and women alienated from God. It was all of us, all of us. And we tend to take this for granted, even at Christmas in a way. I mean, stop and think about it. Why would the God of the universe care about us? We, we've rejected him as a, as a human race. We've said, we don't need you. We'll be our own gods. And yet he still cares. Why should he care? We can't get back on our own. He knows it. He's built a law into his universe without the shedding of blood of an innocent. There is no forgiveness of sin. None of us were innocent. So he came as an innocent. He was born a little baby. That's Christmas. He grew up and lived a perfect life and still he gave himself on the cross for us and as he shed his blood, forgiveness was opened up to us so that we could have relationship with him. And what we do, we receive that. We say, Jesus, I want you to be God for me. I receive what you did on the cross for me. You be my God. See, he didn't want us to perish, it says. What does it mean to perish? It, it doesn't mean to die. Everybody dies physically. It's talking about eternity. It means to go to hell. And, you know, I know a lot of people in America today say, oh, I think God is love. I don't think that God would even, he wouldn't make a hell. He wouldn't send anybody to hell. But Jesus talked about hell all the time. He called it Gehenna. And Gehenna was the city garbage dump where it was smelly and stinky and stuff was always on fire and all kinds of, it was just yucky. You see, a lot of people say, well, I just can't imagine God putting this terrible, awful place. Let me just kind of tell you what I believe happens. You see, there's only two possibilities in eternity. There's only two possible eternities, one where God is and one where God is not. There came a time, it seems to indicate in the Old Testament and some of the more obscure stuff that there was a battle in heaven and Lucifer, Satan, was one of the archangels and he said, I will not follow your rule, God. You will not rule over me. And a third of the angels said, we will fight this. We don't want God to rule over us and they were thrown down from heaven because God said, well, if you don't want me to rule over you, everywhere I am, I rule. So I'm going to make a place. I'll give you your desire. So be it. Here, here's your desire. I'm going to make a place where I am not. I will call it hell. And you can be there and you can rule over yourself. You see, a lot of people think that coming to Christ is like, if you're good, outweighs your bad, and hopefully on the big scale up there, it's nothing to do with that. It's did you say, Jesus, God, I want you to rule over me. Because if you say, I will rule over myself, I will live for myself, I will be the boss of myself, 
I don't need you, God, to be boss over me. God respects that. It's called free will. He wrote it into the universe too. But when you die and you want to be the boss of yourself, you can't go to heaven because God's the boss there. He's ruling there. So you have to go to the other place that wasn't prepared for you. It was prepared for the devil and his angels. You said, Mark, and that's all hell is, is a place where God is not, where people can say, I will rule over myself. Yes, but I thought it was a place of suffering and, and all of that. Well, back in the Old Testament, there came a time when God said, hey, mankind is living way too long because they get really evil when their lives are long like this. And they get, when they get far away from me, they have so much time to get so evil and so depraved. It, it's astonishing as they were living hundreds of years. And he said, I'm going to limit human lifespan to 120 years. Now, most of us don't make it that far, but that's the limit, okay, right in there. And, and so that's what he did. He built something into us with our telomeres or something that, that causes us not to live longer than that because he's worried about us. So I want you to imagine an eternal place where no one ever dies. The devil's there. Demons are there. They're not ruling. They're just like everybody else. All the people who said, I will rule over myself are there. In the first million years or so, that is going to degrade into what God says it is. Jesus says it's going to be Gehenna, the garbage dump. You see, I don't think God is this God that's going, oh, I'm going to create some fire and <laughs> this is going to be great. You're going to, he's just saying, I give you what you ask for. I honor what you say. You have free will. I wrote it into the universe. Free will requires a place if you say, I will be my own Lord where God is not. Because wherever he is, he is Lord. Have you ever seen a place where God is not? They say North Korea. The, the authorities try to keep God out. And it's like a literal hell on earth where multitudes are starving Hundreds of thousands of people are in concentration camps working till they die, like working themselves literally to death for petty, you know, things against the government or being a believer or something like that. But that's not as bad as it's going to be there because God is still working in North Korea. The Holy Spirit is still moving. He's still there. There's grace and mercy. Imagine a place, no grace, no mercy, none of that. Well, the thing is, God says, I don't want that for you. I will step in to time and space. All of us were headed there. All of us said we'll be our own boss. Mankind had made a choice. We will be gods. And we've tried to be gods. And so he says, let me step into time and space. It's called Christmas. And that 33 year span that he lived and then he died, he gave us a great gift. And if we will receive the gift, why would he do that? I don't know why he would love us like that. Jesus, be my Lord. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved, the Bible says. And then what happens when we do that? He infuses us with this love and we can't help it. And then we reach out to people all around us Jesus, again, in another place, Matthew 25, he said there's going to be this great judgment and, and, and I'm going to bring everybody together and I'm going to separate you out. 
the ones who have me and have received me as Lord of their life and are walking in that and the ones who haven't. And it'll be astonishing. But he said, I'll say to the ones who have that love in me, you reached out to me when I was hungry and you fed me. I I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was naked and you clothed me. I was being trafficked and you rescued me. You pulled me out of the brothel in India and made a difference in my life. You changed me. And we're going to go, God, you didn't live when we were there. I don't, what are you talking about? And he says, when you did it, Matthew 25, 40, the king will reply, truly, I tell you, whenever you did it for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did it for me. So he gives to us and we give out. That's giving back to him. And it's, it's not, Christmas is not a nice, warm feeling. It, it costs God everything. It had to hurt. It's more than talk. Listen to what James 1 says. Put it up on the screen. Anyone who sets himself up as religious by talking a good game is self-deceived. This kind of religion is hot air and only hot air. Real religion, the kind that passes muster before God the Father is this. Reach out to the homeless and loveless in their plight and guard against corruption from the godless world. It's more than talk. One day, a dad wanted to do something really special for his little boy. So his little boy was five, Jimmy. He said, Jimmy, what do you want to do today? I've got a day off. We're going to do something special. And Jimmy wasn't a deep thinker. He said, let's go to McDonald's. I want to get some French fries. I love their French fries. And so they went to McDonald's. He said, that's what my boy wants. That's what my boy gets, right? They went to McDonald's and Jimmy was so stunned when his daddy not only got him fries, but he said, supersize those fries for my son. And they went and sat down at the table with his little Coke and fries and uh, he just dumped them out on his tray. They were just this giant mound. And he was just chomping away at them. Dad reached over to grab a fry and Jimmy covered them up and said, mine. I mean, he was guarding those fries with his life, you know. And his dad was kind of caught short for a minute. And, and his dad, who I was reading, wrote this down. He said, I was thinking about it. And I thought, this kid doesn't quite get it yet, you know? Who is the source of his fries? Me. And he's, I'm just reaching out for a couple little fries. And he goes, mine. And he said, not only that, but I'm six foot two, 200 pounds. If I wanted to take the little brat's French fries, you know, I could just take them from it, right? Not only that, I could go up and buy my own fries or I could just bury the kid in fries. I could buy so many fries, just bury him under the fries, you know? He said, he doesn't understand that. And he said, I was thinking about it and all I wanted, I didn't need the fries. I wasn't hungry for fries. I just wanted to share the moment of the blessing that I had poured out on my son. I wanted to be a part of it with him. I wanted to be in it with him. And he said, no. I think God must feel like that sometimes with us. And, you know, I I wonder, it's like we miss this amazing infinite circle because we say 
No. Because he wants to give to us. We give out. He sees us as a channel and he pours more on you and you give out and he pours more on you and you give out. But at some point you've stopped it. I, I, I want you to listen to what God says. One of the most powerful verses to me about giving to God in the Bible, it's in Malachi. But a lot of times I've heard it read by preachers like it's an angry thing. Like God is mad, you know. He says it like this. For I am the Lord and I do not change. That is why you are not utterly destroyed. And he goes on and on in a mad voice, you know. But I, I started thinking about God. He's not like that. See, I think God's in a sorrowful voice here. I think he's saying it like this. I'm the Lord. I don't change. That's why you're not already utterly destroyed. Because my love lasts forever. My mercies endure forever. Though you've scorned my laws from the earliest time, I still provided a way. Return to me, says the Lord Almighty. Come, I'll forgive you still. But you say, we've never gone away. Will a man rob God? Surely not. But you've robbed me. Well, what do you mean? When, when did we ever rob you? You've robbed me of the tithes and offerings do me. And so the awesome curse of God is cursing you. don't want that for you, but your whole nation has been robbing me. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be food enough in my temple. And if you do, I'm going to open up the windows of heaven for you and pour out a blessing so great you won't have room to take it in. Try it. Let me prove it to you. See, I think when God's saying you've robbed me, he's not going, I need your money. I think he's saying, you've robbed me of the chance to bless you. I love to bless you. I delight to do it. Just like Jimmy's dad loved to give him fries. I love to do this for you, but you've robbed me of the chance to do it because you won't get in on the circle of what I've put into play. God gives to us. We give out to his kingdom causes. It's giving back to him. He says, you've done it to me. And then he finds us a trustworthy channel and he gives more back to us. I want to ask you to do three things based off of this sermon. This is your homework, all right? So write this down somewhere if you're serious about it. The first thing is, I call it just ask. The world is still out there. God still loves them. He wants them. He's pulling them to himself, but he wants to use you to do it. Statistics show that even someone who's never been in church before, seven out of 10 of them will come with you if you invite them to a Christian Christmas service. If you invite them to a Christmas service, they'll come, seven out of 10. This is your time to do that. Will you think of who I want? He said, well, that's kind of a pain. It's hard enough to get here with my own family. I get that, but we've lost the point, right? What is Christmas about? It's inviting others into this amazing thing that we're experiencing. I want them to hear that. It's going to be amazing at Christmas. I want you to invite somebody. Who are you going to ask? You can use the little cards. You can do it in any way you want to. Be creative. Think of a way to ask, okay? Then I want you to do something else. I want you to number two, this is getting a little tougher. I want you to think through this week 
I want you to plan out your monthly, weekly, however you do it, your tithe, your regular tithes and offerings to community of faith. You, I would love if you did it recurring. That would put it online for us to know and we could plan our budget better if we had that and know if there's a possibility to hire more staff to make more difference and stuff like that. But you can go online at cof.church, go down to giving and it'll have a drop down menu. You just follow the instructions and it says regular tithes and offerings eventually and you can put it in there and you can do it one time or you can do it recurring. If you say every month on this day of the month, I'm gonna give it or every other week, I'm gonna do it like this. It has so many options for you, okay? That's your assignment for this week. Now the tithe is what we're talking about, 10% of your income. All these blessings kick in. I'll open up the windows of heaven, but just start somewhere. I know a lot of us, we haven't handled our finances quite like we wish we had. And so start at 1% or 2% or something, okay? And, and get started with that because you're gonna begin to open up that circle and God can bless you. And then number three, next week, it's our best gift. He gave us his best gift. I wanna do a one-time offering. It combines with our Christmas day offering. Every penny of it goes out around the globe. None of it stays here even for administrative. It all goes out and I want you to have a one-time gift. Something that God's showing you. A lady last night said, I'm gonna give up my vacation trip I've been planning and I'm gonna give it to this offering. And you know, when someone says that, I'm, my first thought sometimes is like, oh, ah, you know. I was like, if that's what God told you to do, just puts tears in my eyes. Do what God told you to do. Because it's gonna make a difference forever for somebody. And you can give that online too this week if you want to. We'll know it's part of that offering or you can bring it and put it in the regular offering baskets next week. That's gonna be our best gift to Jesus this Christmas. I want you to be a part of it. I want you to be a part of the life change. I want you to be a part of all that God's doing. I want you to get to see it, to feel it, to taste it, to know it. Would you just close your eyes with me for a minute? I have such a longing for you to be blessed by God. I have such a longing for you to get in on what he's doing. Is there unforgiveness in your heart? Time to let it go. I don't want you to be on the wrong side of that circle. Let God forgive you. Is there, maybe, maybe you've never stepped into this relationship. Say, God, Jesus, be my Lord. I receive what you did for me. Step into that right now. It's simple. It's a, a prayer. God, come into my life. Jesus, come into my life. Save me. Forgive me. Be my boss. I'll, I'll follow you. It's a one-time thing. Then it's all on him. He begins to give you the power to do it. And you begin to see him work in your life. And you break through those addictions and all of those things that have been holding you back for so long. Step in. Father, I'm just asking right now for everyone within the sound of my voice. I ask that you would do this for them. My dream for them is a dream that you put in my heart many years ago for them. It's your dream that they could be all that you've dreamed of them be, that they could step into this, that there would be mercy and love and forgiveness and a giving out to the least of these that comes all the way back to you and circles back again in abundance 
It's not the circle of life. It's the circle of abundant life, God, that you're talking about. And that's what we ask. Nothing less. In Jesus' name, amen.